And, it, and pretty quickly you can find out Walter Early was the artist. But I wanted a deeper dive to learn about this guy. And uh, in a month or two, I had contacted his daughter, Keith, 90 years old, and his grandson, Bart, both living in Maryland. And if you're a historian and writer at all, when you, when you can make a family connection right away, that's pretty exciting. So Walter was the middle child of Emmanuel and Elizabeth Early. They were a uh, Omaha family. He was born in 1892. And Walter's daughter, Keith, described them as a working class family. Uh, Emmanuel was a pattern maker, which I understand is he would make wooden models of parts that are then cast in metal. And he had his own shop and he also worked for the Union Pacific Railroad. He also was a wood carver. You can see some ships that he made on the shelf there. And this is a cigar humidor that's still in the family. So his son Walter uh, won a silver badge in a St. Nicholas magazine uh, contest at the age of 14. This art piece is called <coughs> A Cataclysm. So he, he was starting a day uh, as an artist, at least as a teenager. He served in the Army in World War I. He was in the Motor Transport Corps in Omaha. And then he studied art at the Chicago Academy of Fine Arts and the Art Institute of Chicago. Uh, this is Walter on the right. He uh, worked for the Omaha Bee newspaper. Where am I? And uh, there was a young lady who worked at the newspaper, Leah Keith, who was a secretary and movie critic. And evidently they had spaces, uh, workspaces separated by a window and he would toss paper clips at her to get her attention and it eventually worked because they were married in 1920. There's Leah. So the Union Pacific Railroad uh, needed to uh, up their game uh, as far as bringing people into Yellowstone in, in the 1920s because cars were already bringing more and more people into the park. And they started an advertising campaign in 1923 uh, that included fanciful bear art uh, on the covers, train schedules, park information. And Walter drew eight brochure covers from 1925 to 1929. And the majority of the covers were not signed, but but uh, Walter did eight, and there was another uh, couple of artists in Omaha, the, the Wilmarth brothers, they did two. But after 1930, there are no more signatures on the art, so, so that's kind of sad if you want to pick, if you want to know who did the art, but it's, it's, uh, it's just up to speculation. This is a, uh, a family drawing, uh, I'm not sure where this came from other than uh, his grandson uh, about he anthropomorphized his bears about I think this I then draw this and this is how he uh, drew his bears from 1932. He only visited the park once that I know of in 1933 I believe this is Walter facing away standing in Leah and this is Leah reeling in a trout on Yellowstone Lake and uh, it was quite a trip 
Uh, here's Leah uh, getting the bear to pose, and Walter with his easel. Walter was always had something, smoking something in his mouth. And the ex one, I only found this a couple of weeks ago. I was a little surprised and shocked. This was a photo by George Alexander Grant, who was the first staff photographer for the National Park Service. He was, uh, I think he was hired in 29, and here he was in Yellowstone intersecting with Walter and his uh, wife. This is, uh, I have Walter's uh, photo album, and this is their prize shot for the Union Pacific Railroad. So even though I can't prove, well, he was definitely still working for the railroad uh, with this photograph. But I can't, I can't tell you what pi pictures he drew because there's no more signatures. Prohibition ended at the, at the end of the 33, and Robert Reamer and W.M. Nichols, who, let me find my notes here, who was president of the Yellowstone Park Hotel Company, wanted to put cocktail lounges into the park hotels. At the same time, Walter and his family, who had always lived in Omaha, moved to Chicago. Reamer envisioned seven-foot-high panels decorated with sandblasted designs featuring animals for the Old Faithful Inn Bear Pit Lounge. He wrote, I wouldn't mind adding a touch of humor to this room if your Chicago uh, cartoonist would rough out some of the bears, his funny bears, they might be used to advantage. So Nichols contacted Walter in early 1935 to design amusing bears or what he called the combination buffet and, and uh, wine room. And he, he wrote Reamer and said, this is the man who makes the funny bears for the Union Pacific Railroad who you spoke about in the park last year. So the Union Pacific Railroad connection definitely played in to him designing the art for the uh, Old Faithful Inn. Walter came up with 17 designs and later the three of them uh, decided on 12 for the lounge. Walter was swamped with work, and in a letter to Nichols, Leah added a handwritten note, Walter looks and acts like one of your grizzlies nowadays. <laughs> I think I bumped this, uh, oh. this laptop. Brennan. Okay, here... These are some of the early bear ideas that were, in fact, the final ideas. And a few more final designs. They were nine bears, and then a mountain sheep, and a moose, and one other design. Oh, I can't get it right now. So anyway, he, he uh, came up with the designs and sent the bill to uh, Nichols for $1,200, which in today's dollars is $25,000. And that's for the designs. Another company made them into the tall Douglas fir panels. So this is just for the designs. And uh, Nichols was pretty much freaked out by the price. He wrote, I don't know whether you realize it or not, but I very nearly had a heart attack when I looked at the figures. I dislike very much to question anybody's bill, but I can assure you that if I had known you were going to charge that much, we would have gotten along well without the panels. 
<laughs> Sensing that a small price break would not suffice, Walter cut his bill in half to $600, saying he forgot he was working on a decorative job, not an advertising campaign, and Nichols was quite pleased. Construction of the panels uh, was contracted to the Guarantee Millwork Company of Seattle and shipped to Yellowstone on July 24. They were installed at the end of August, this is 1935, and they were created, and they created quite a bit of talk. So here's uh, a picture from the time. You can see one of the bare panels here and two over on that wall. And I don't know if it's still the original floor, but the bare pod deli, the floor looks just like that today. So what I've done here is there's the drawing on the left and the panels on the right. Uh, they're behind a shiny plastic, so it's really a struggle for, for me to get the, the best pictures of the panels. There's the pelican. I call it the sheriff. I just make up these names. <laughs> if, if you look at the Yellowstone Heritage, you know, they have a code. And this one is in the uh, Heritage Center. And, and when I saw it a couple years ago, they, they got it out of storage. Nobody had seen this panel in a long time. Here's some close-ups from the Heritage Center. So probably very close to the time when the, when the panels were hung and the, and the cocktail lounge became active, there was this pamphlet uh, describing the art. And there was a, quite a detailed uh, explanation about how they were made. Here I'm just saying the drawings were projected, you know, small drawings were projected to four by eight feet size, traced to make a reverse stencil. The stencil was fastened to wood, sand blown across the surface twice to make a two-toned effect, and then they were stained, waxed, and polished. And this pamphlet uh, plays into the story later on. Now, Walter, in 36, he worked for Disney for a year. He really didn't like working for Disney. Um, by 39, he hooked up with Borden, and uh, you know, Elsie the Cow was one of the biggest advertising campaigns of the 20th century. The memorabilia about with Elsie, you can, you can buy anything Elsie off of eBay nowadays. Um, but I, I look in the 1940 census, and it still shows that he, he was working for the railroads. So he was probably still working for the Union Pacific as a freelance artist, probably making brochure covers. We just don't know which ones they are, because there's no signatures on them. Uh, the family moved to New York City, uh, continued to work on the, the, the uh, Borden campaign. Here's his daughter, uh, Keith, Leah, and Walter. And he was visiting home in Omaha in 1957 and died of heart attack. Uh, it said he died while he was setting up his artist easel. So, you know, he was working as an artist until the end. So in 62, the Bear Pit Lounge was moved over to what I believe is now the East dining room. Well, it's not a dining room, it's the Bear Pit Lounge. Um, the panels were removed, stored, and forgotten. There was, uh, the inn was being remodeled or renovated, whatever, in the 1980s, and they were asking people, what do you remember about the inn? You know, they kind of wanted to get it right as their historic details. 
And someone came up and said, yeah, I have the Bear Pit brochure, and I remember those bear paddles. They weren't on public display anymore. And uh, so the Park Service people searched for them and found nine or ten panels, depending on what source you, you read. And uh, so at that time, uh, I think they call it the Pony Express for a while, was, was the, what the Bear Paw Deli is now. They remounted five of the uh, 1935 panels. And, uh, but they also uh, led a contract to, the, uh, to a company in Denver, Uh, the Great Pain, Great Pains, let me find my place here. The Great Pains Glass Company of Denver to recreate eight of the panels in between the dining room and the Bear uh, Pit Cocktail Lounge. And they are just fabulous because, the, I mean, the wooden ones, they were blown up from small drawings and you just don't get the detail. But the glass ones are, are just outstanding. Uh, I mean, nothing against the originals. They, I love them both. Here is the original moose drawing and the glass. And my personal favorite, the bear band. And, and here I'm trying to show, here's, here's uh, the, the wooden uh, a bottle, uh, you know, without any detail. And here's the... Uh, the 1988 version, Geyser Basin Old Faithful 1988. So, and the bear paw looks great too. So I just, I just love the, uh, the glass. So last April, Bart uh, emailed me and said that Keith had finally passed away at age 94. And then a few days later, Bart's wife emails me and says Bart passed away at age 69. So I. You know, I kind of lost both of them, uh, and, and Bart was going to meet me in the Old Faithful Inn. We were going to see his grandfather's art, uh, but sadly, that's uh, I lost them both. And Bart, uh, both of them were a big help in providing you know the history, Walter's history to me. Huh? No, that's 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 part A. Good. <laughs> and and now. Uh, this is Olive Fell of Cody, Wyoming, my, my, uh, the second artist. She was born, um, oh, tell me where she was born. What's that little town? Uh, Big Timber, near, near Big Timber. Her father uh, operated a freight wagon, and Olive would tell people that she was born under her father's freight wagon. <laughs> I'm looking at my wrong page here. Oh no. Well, I'm missing a page of my notes, so I'm going to wing it. So uh, here we are, out, born outside of uh, Big Timber. Uh, the family moved to Cody, where her, they, her she was uh, divorced. Her parents divorced, and her mother remade, uh, married Everett Austins, who ran a greenhouse. Later, they ran the Cody Flower Shop. Uh, she was a, uh, the high school artist, a small high school class, I can't remember, like a dozen. She had a classmate named Irma Du, and there was a joke in her class that said, what would Irma do if Olive fell? <laughs> uh, she was uh, 
had uh, a high school sweetheart of Millward Simpson, who was uh, a governor and senator from Wyoming. This is her earliest Yellowstone art. Here's her signature here. And I assume it's about that same time of high school graduation, uh, trying to get uh, tourists to come use Cody as a, a portal into the park. She uh, attended the U Institute of Chicago. This is a self-portrait when she was either in Chicago or she later studied in New York City. And she told a friend she carried a pearl-handled hand, pearl derringer for her protection when she was in New York City. In the 20s, she operated a, uh, a gift shop in Cody, was involved in the Cody Stampede, and married Sidney Quenzel. There's a sketchbook. This is the Cook City Bank mm -hmm. and Pilot and Index Peaks, which is over this way. She and her husband uh, operated a dude ranch uh, at least briefly. They, well, they, they purchased the P-Bar-P Ranch, 900-acre ranch. It's 20 miles west of Cody and then up into the hills. And uh, at least for a while operated a dude ranch uh, and I love how she can combine her sketches and photographs at the same time. And this is the best. This is the forebear, right? Yeah, I, I, uh, she got in contact with the, with the Haineses somehow, and they had an exhibit of her work at Mammoth Hot Springs in 1933. They had a dinner for her, uh, you know, meet the artist. And she kept her art there at the park for sale for the rest of the summer. And, uh, and she didn't sell well. This was the Depression. She, her etchings, she couldn't make them. And I understand etchings, you can only make so many before the, the original wears out. And so they weren't cheap. And she pretty much figured out she couldn't sell her higher art etchings in the park. Here's some more natural designs on the left and a little more surreal designs on the right. These were from the 1933 exhibit. This is perhaps her most famous artwork. So here's in the middle of the Depression. She's getting her art shown in uh, Seattle, Chicago, New York, Milwaukee, Texas, and California. Uh, is she making a great living out of this? Probably not, but she's getting notoriety. Here's a couple of her uh, Yellowstone art pieces, the bear feeding ground is just fabulous, and then one of her uh, more fine art, Old Faithful, because uh, she got away from her finer art style pretty quickly. Uh, oh, this is, oh man, I can't read this unless I have this in my notes. Okay, so she lived in this little cabin uh, on the Four Bear Ranch. She separated from her husband, had to hand pump her own water. The telephone line was down in winter. She slept in a sleeping bag. Her little stove burned wood as fast as feathers, but she loved her birds, and winter was her favorite season. And to quote her, she says, I ski all over the hills tracking deer, moose, and bear, I sketch dozens of legs, paws, ears, and heads, and I am often marooned for hours on the limb of a tree over the edge of nothing, trying to catch just the right pose and expression I want. 
I made my best etchings there. Friends would bring her food and supplies, or would she would pull them up to her cabin with a harness around her. So by the winter of 38, she made 22 designs, and she had a hand press to make 13,200 prints to sell in the Haynes Picture Shop. She knew she had to go low price, high volume for the Yellowstone crowd. Uh, part of this at the end, getting, getting a new idea was easy. She said, getting a new idea isn't anything for me at all. It's repeating the job over and over again to make money out of it that slays me. These are two of her uh, artworks of Lida Haynes. So she had a, uh, you know, she had a working relationship with the Haynes and also made these two pictures of Lida. Uh, one of these is from 1939 and she says, when I see Lida looking away, I wonder what this new day, new world holds for her. I hope you like the picture. It may be the last I ever make of her. I see so little of her and she's growing up so fast, she is getting away from me. So she went full tilt into her little bear cub series in the 40s and 50s. These are probably later because there's a little color in them. I like the bears, baby bears, big bears, bad bears, good bears, glad bears. She went full out making postcards, note cards, greeting cards for the tourist market. In 49, she left her little cabin and built this uh, uh, house on a hill with a 360-degree view. Here's, here's one of the views. Where is it? 20 miles west of Cody and then up in the hill. There's Wapiti, a little town of Wapiti, and then up into the hills uh, near Jim Mountain. Oh, she wrote the Haineses at this time after she uh, uh, built this place. She wrote... Uh, when I get done, I want you and Isabel and Lida to come over and give me the once-over. She also did this advertising newsletter for different communities around Yellowstone, the Sheriff's Posse. Uh, she, she printed them in mass volume and loaded them into her uh, station wagon and drove them to Jackson and West Yellowstone. Um, not the gardener that I know of. These are from the mid-50s. These are serographs, which I understand are a silkscreen design. The fringe gentian sago lily and Indian paintbrush with the fringe gentian becoming the official Yellowstone National Park flower in 58. These were from a series of at least 26 postcards she did in the uh, 1950s, and you can see she was still uh, documenting the begging bears or the highway panhandler because uh, the Park Service had still not cracked down on tourists interacting with the bears this way. She did make some animal figurines. She had a kiln in her house. I, they were for sale in the park. I don't know in what volume. But she sold her art in the Haynes stores until 1967. And then I believe Haynes sold out I know they sold out uh, Ham Hamilton. So yeah, Hamilton. Yeah. yeah. And there's no records, as, or I can't find the records as if she sold with Hamilton after that. 
But only a few years later, she sold her ranch with life tenancy so she could live there for another 10 years. She traveled the Southwest. She made more oil paintings. She had freed herself up from mass production. And I totally get the impression she was thrilled to, to you know, there, there were stacks of her work in the cupboards and she just didn't have to market them anymore. Here's oil painting from the Buffalo Bill Center of the West, untitled. Now she passed away from cancer in 1980 without a will. She had no children. Uh, she had a brother, William. So she left $300,000 probably from the sale of the Four Bear Ranch 10 years earlier. And William passed away in 1987. But before he did so, he had a will and he established the Fell Austin scholarships at these three colleges for Wyoming students studying art or floriculture because his uh, mother Oskins had run the Cody flower shop to honor his mother and sister. And they were funded with $107,000 each, which is pretty impressive for the time. I mean, I bought a house for less than that around, around this time. And so the scholarships still exist today at those three colleges and, and you know, they're a family legacy. That's all I got. Mm -hmm. oh, <laughs>